This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Of all the family-styled shows, the one that stands out for me is The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. When Red Skelton was drafted in March of 1944, Ozzie Nelson was prompted to create his own family situation comedy. The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet launched October 8th of 44, and in total, 402 radio episodes were produced. In an arrangement that exemplified the growing pains of American broadcasting as radio grew up into television... The Nelsons' deal with ABC gave the network the option to move their program to television. While the struggling network needed proven talent that was not about to defect to the more established and wealthier networks. The Nelsons' sons, David and Ricky, didn't join the cast until the radio show's fifth year. Other cast members include John Brown as Sid Thorny Thornberry and Lorreen Tuttle as Harriet's mother. Vocalists included Harriet Nelson, the King Sisters, and Ozzie Nelson. The announcers were Jack Bailey and Vern Smith. Music provided by Billy May and Ozzie Nelson. Producers Dave Elton and Ozzie Nelson. In 1952, the Nelsons starred with Rock Hudson in the Universal International feature film Here Come Nelsons. Now, that film depicted Ozzie as an advertising executive assigned to campaign uh, promoting women's underwear. The film produced in the summer of 51, while the radio show was on hiatus. It opened theatrically on uh, February 23rd of 52. It also doubled as a pilot for the television series, as Ozzie wanted to see if his family would be accepted on film as they were on radio. The success of Here Come the Nelsons convinced him that Ozzie and Harriet's future was on the small screen while continuing their weekly radio show. So, tonight we hear a show that was first aired in 1951, the very year that Ozzy worked on the film that led to the television series. And tonight, both Ricky and David are in their starring roles. The episode, it's called Sidewalk Superintendents. <laughs> Because it's Heinz, the H.J. Heinz Company, makers of 57 varieties of fine food for 80 years, present the amusing described adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, starring America's favorite young couple, Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. Let's look in at the Nelson family. 
just a little past noon and the table is set for lunch. Hmm. I don't see anybody around, though. Oh, yes, there's Harriet. And just in time to answer the phone, too. Keep track of the time. We will, Pop. 
You ought to see the neat machines they have there, Pop. Steam shovels, drills, bulldozers. Yeah, I, I know those things can be pretty fascinating. I used to watch them when I was a kid. Did they have digging machines back in those days? No. <laughs> sure, they had such modern conveniences as the stone axe and the spear. Awesome. <laughs> well, come on now. Let's get to work on this food. Lunch is ready. Oh, swell. Come on, Ricky. No, thanks, Mom. I'm not very hungry. Not hungry? That surprises you? I should say it does. Doesn't surprise me. Keep quiet, David. <laughs> what is this all about, anyway? You remember I told you how nice that man down there was? What about it? He gave me a roast beef sandwich at lunch. Oh, no. That was all, I hope. <laughs> Not quite. Well, what else did you eat, for goodness sakes? Just a half a piece of chocolate cake, a piece of apple pie, and two bananas. <laughs> oh, Ricky, you shouldn't have done such a thing. He insisted, so it seemed like the polite thing to do. Poor guy, he couldn't have had much lunch left for himself. Oh, no, you should have seen him, Pop. He had enough there to feed an army. Well, those working men need big lunches. Yeah, hey, that reminds me. Don't forget you guys promised to help me rake those leaves out in front. Oh, sure, Pop. We'll do it right after lunch. I have to run down and get a new rake, but I'll be right back. Are you going now? Yeah, right after lunch. won't take me a minute. Well, suppose you fellows go up and wash your hands before eating. And look at all that mud you've tracked in here, Ricky. Who, me? Yes, you. You're covered with mud from the ankles down. You take off those shoes this minute. Heck, my shoes are outside. These are my socks. <laughs> Ricky, wash your hands. I don't have to wash them, do I, Mom? I'm not going to eat. Of course not, dear. Oh, boy. I want you to go upstairs, run the water in the tub, and take a good hot bath. I had to open my big mouth. <laughs> exercise. There's nothing like a brisk walk to make you healthy and strong. Which brings up an interesting point. How come a guy who's supposed to be so strong can't even carry a tune? Oh, I tell you, you sure get off some good ones, boy. <laughs> it was really nothing. Okay, Thorny, you win. Uh, what are you doing downtown, anyway? I came down to buy a new rake. Don't tell me you're going to rake those leaves off your front lawn. You'll be happy to hear that I am. Well, a fine friend you turned out to be. What's the matter? Are you sore because you have to rake up the rest of your leaves, too? Not only that, but now I won't have any place to dump them. Oh. <laughs> That's a shame, Thorny. Well, I'll be seeing you. Hey, wait a minute. Take it easy. What's the big hurry? Well, David and Ricky are waiting for me at home. They're going to give me a hand with the leaves. Well, that can wait a few minutes. Come on, walk down this street with me. They're breaking ground for a new building. No, I have to get to the hardware store. It's right on the way, Oz. Come on, it's quite a sight. So I've heard... Boys were down there all morning supervising the job. Yeah, my boy Will was there, too. Poor workmen must have really had their hands full. Yeah. Will came home with his feet covered with mud and his mouth covered with chocolate layer cake. 
Isn't it amazing how kids can waste away a whole morning just standing around watching a silly thing like a steam shovel? Isn't it the truth? Uh, how far is this? Just a couple of blocks. Some size steam shovel. Oh, I don't know. I've seen bigger in my day. That's a pretty big one, Oz. Especially if you get over closer. Go over for a second. No, I, I really have to go, Thorny. The boys are waiting. Just for a second, Oz. I hear they have one of those tremendous bulldozers here, too. Well, look at the size of this, will you, Oz? Come over here. Be careful there, bud. Who, me? Now, I know you want to help and all that, but we have to be very careful. <laughs> oh, don't worry about me. Now, he has a very hard head. That's what I'm afraid of. These are very delicate machines. They don't sound very friendly to me. Oh, nonsense. They love to have people around so they can put on a show. I'm the one who gets a little out of hand now and then. Well, just as long as one of those automatic man killers doesn't get out of hand, I'll be happy. Those things are really dangerous. You say something, Barney? It wasn't important. Come on. Up. <laughs> Second. Hey, doesn't that shovel seem to be dropping quite a bit of dirt? Yeah. Hey, what about that? You talking to me? Uh, my friend here was just wondering about the shovel. Well, if you'll step into my office, I'll be glad to let you have a little booklet. It'll answer all your questions. Now, here's one case where you're actually talking to the guy who wrote the book. No, no, thanks. That, that's very nice, but... Uh, well, we really can't stay, can we, Oz? No, uh, we really can't. I, I'm in quite a hurry. Well, okay, gents. We really have to hurry along, don't we, Oz? <laughs> well, okay, I don't mind you standing around watching, but I just want you to know one thing. I am all out of lunch. been a big construction job in your neighborhood, then you know what Harriet Nelson's going through. The steam shovels and jackhammers seem to have a magnetic attraction that causes cold lunches at home and tardy marks at school. However, children aren't the only guilty ones in this case. At 1.30, Ozzie Nelson left the house to buy a garden rake. It's now almost 4.30 and still not a sign of him. Pop doesn't get home pretty soon. It'll be too late to clean up the yard. That's just what I was thinking. It won't hurt my feelings, boy. What's the difference? You'll still have it to do tomorrow. Golly, three hours to buy a rake. That must be awful choosy. Oh, I'm sure he hasn't spent all this time shopping for a rake. I wonder where he is. Well, he'd better not be where I think he is. You don't suppose he had an accident? Yeah, those steam shovels are pretty dangerous. <laughs> Be quiet. It's all right, David. I think he's down there, too. Do you want us to go look for him? Please don't. I'd probably end up eating dinner alone. Oh, we wouldn't do that to you, Mom. They stop work at 5.30. <laughs> Maybe that's Pop. I certainly hope so. Hello? Hello, Harriet. It's Catherine Thornberry. Oh, hello, Catherine. 
No, I'm afraid not, Catherine. I've been so busy trying to keep track of my family. I really haven't had a chance to give it much thought. Oh? What have Ozzie and the boys been doing? Well, it's this construction work that's going on downtown. The boys spent all morning watching it, and I think Ozzie's spending the afternoon there. Well, if it's any comfort, Harriet, you've got a buddy. That husband of mine is a sidewalk superintendent, too. At least that's what he calls himself. I have a better word for him. <laughs> Personally, I don't see what the big attraction is. terribly interesting. Ozzy's been gone for three hours. I got the rake. Good for you. <laughs> I, I know I'm a little late, dear, and, and it's all Thorny's fault. Has he called you? What for? To apologize for making me so late. He was going to call. Well, he hasn't. Fine thing. Okay, then I won't call his wife either. <laughs> Just tell me one thing. How can a simple job like buying a garden rake take you three hours? Well? In other words, where have you been? Believe me, dear, I wanted to leave the bar a long time ago, but Thorny kept insisting we have one more drink and one more drink. Well, then we met a couple of girls and started dancing with them. Oh, no, you're not getting out of it that easily. You were downtown watching the steam shovels. Okay, I admit it. Well, we really didn't mean to stay so long. I had no idea it was getting so late. You had your watch with you. Well, yes, I know, but on a big job like that, you don't want to be a clock watcher. <laughs> what about the front yard? Now, Harriet, I have every intention of cleaning up the yard. I'll get at it first thing in the morning. Why not get at it right now? You still have time. Well, I'm kind of tired. I, I've been on my feet all afternoon. <laughs> it's impossible to find a place to sit down with so many people hanging around. You wonder how they find time to waste, don't you? You, you... No, honestly, I'll, I'll do it the first thing in the morning. Oh, boy. Quite a day. Oh, for goodness sakes. What's the matter? You've got mud all over your shoes and on your pants. Oh, oh, well, there must have been a new man on the job today. He was running one of those scoop shovels, and he kept dropping dirt on people. Think he'd be a little more careful. Well, try not to track it all through the house. Hi, Pop. Oh, hi, fellas. Hey, where you been? Uh, uh, downtown, David. I, I met Mr. Thornberry, and we went for kind of a long walk. Aren't those steam shovels neat? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, well, they're very interesting, Ricky. I can understand why you boys spent so much time down there. You were washing them, too, huh, Pop? Well, yes, we did stop off for a little while. See, the road was blocked off. Blocked off by what? 
Your father and Mr. Thornberry. <laughs> no, no, honestly, Harriet, there are a lot of signs in the street. Uh, danger, excavation, no trespassing, do not enter. Naturally, you had to go in and see what was happening. <laughs> what about the signs? Oh, we climbed over them. I thought they said no trespassing and do not enter. Well, that was just to keep the kids away. I'm sure they didn't mean us. I understand they're going to be working down there tomorrow. They are? Well, you're going to be working, too. Uh, but, but Harriet... Well, if you fellas had done the yard work today... We were waiting for Pop. Yeah. Well, I had to buy a steam shovel. I, uh, <laughs> a, a garden rake. Now, look, Harriet, they don't put up a new building very often. Well, thank goodness for that. No, I mean, it's a big occasion for the boys. They go to school all week long, and... Uh, well, I think we ought to make an exception this time. I think so, too. Well, I don't mind, Ozzy, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. Why should I? Means you have to clean up the yard by yourself. That pop doesn't mind. No, 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 no. Just a minute. <laughs> Who's all right, David? Pop's all right. Boys, I I don't think it's very wise to let the boys go down there by themselves. Somebody ought to go along and keep an eye on them. Don't worry, Pop. I'll keep an eye on David. I'll keep an eye on Ricky. Sounds like a good solution. No, Harriet, it, it, it's very dangerous around there. We'll be careful. Oh, you think you'll be careful, but I know kids. You move closer to get a better view. Your mind is not what you're doing. First thing you know, you're standing right under the machinery. That's how people get hurt. And get mud all over their clothes. <laughs> Harriet, the man was simply careless. That's another reason I don't want the boys going down there alone. We'll keep out of the way, Pop. Well, I'd better go along just to make sure that you do. Don't you think so, dear? I guess I would feel much better. Besides, I just thought of a neat idea. Of course you'll feel better if, if you know that I'm there to watch the boys. I'll feel better knowing that the boys are there to watch you. <laughs>
take it easy, Ricky. They'll be working all day. We want to get a good place to stand. Awful lot of kids come down here. An awful lot of grown-ups, too. Well, I'm only coming along to keep an eye on you boys. Oh, sure, Pop. Want me to carry the folding chair for a while? <laughs> no, thanks, David. You can carry the thermos bottle, though. And careful with those binoculars, Ricky. Gee, it's getting kind of cold. Yeah, I'm glad we have this lap robe. <laughs> hey, look at all the people. Holy smokes, we won't be able to see anything. Hey, there is quite a crowd. Now just follow me, boys. Gee, why don't people ever stay home? Hey, Pop, look, there's a grandstand. Well, I'll be darned. And there's a big sign. Yeah. Welcome, sidewalk superintendents. <laughs> Boy, this is swell. You can sit on and watch them. I wonder who ever thought that up. Come on, Pop. Let's get a seat. Oh, hi, Aggie. Hello, boys. Oh, Mr. Starbury. Well, hello, Catherine. What are you doing down here? I'm selling the tickets. Tickets? Tickets for what? Oh, to sit in the grandstand. You mean we have to pay? <laughs> you sure do. 25 cents for adults and 10 cents for kids. The money goes to buy Thanksgiving baskets. Isn't that a wonderful idea? Hey, that's not bad at all. Oh, Harriet thought of it. If you husbands are going to neglect us wives, then you're going to pay for it. <laughs> okay, let's see. It's uh, uh, 45 cents. Here you are. Thanks, Ozzie. And if there's anything that you don't understand, just call me. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Come on, fellas. Well, coming through. Uh, pardon me. May I get through here? Come on, fellas. Mr. Thunder. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> For our first attraction on today's program, I'd like to present that well-known Jack Amherst, Lefty Callahan, who has just finished a very successful tour with the Southern County's Gas Company. Heinz Company and starring Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. And remember, Heinz soups are condensed. 
You get twice as much soup by adding an equal part of milk or water. That suits me fine. Me too. I like a lot, boy. Appearing in support of Ozzie and Harriet were their two sons, David and Ricky Nelson, John Brown, Lorene Tuttle, Barbara Nelson, Herb Vigran, and yours truly, Vern Smith. Original music was composed and conducted by Billy May. So long, folks. This is Ozzie saying goodnight for the four Nelsons and the 57 Drive. Stay tuned for The Whistler next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Whistler and a program that was first aired in 1952 entitled The Apparition. Wait a minute. Have you heard the strange tales of The Whistler? I'm the Whistler. John was here in this room. I saw him and talked to him. He had a message for me. And while he was here, the room was filled with the odor of musty roses. Another Sunday night, and again, CBS presents The Whistler. the whistler know many things for I walk by night I know many strange tales many secrets hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows and so I tell you tonight the unusual story of apparition in the midst of a circle of tall moaning pines spreads an old mansion on the second floor a low light burns in a large bedroom the bedroom of Elizabeth Kemper the elderly mistress of the mansion. Mrs. Kemper's husband, John, died suddenly a year ago and left his entire estate to his wife, Elizabeth. Shortly after John's death, Elizabeth brought her husband's sister, Bertha, and Bertha's daughter, Celia, to live with her. Since John's death, Elizabeth's health has gradually failed and she has taken to her bed. In the meantime, Elizabeth's only sister, Mary, has come to live in the great house and Mary's son, Herbert. Now, long past midnight, Elizabeth tosses in her bed and mumbles. John. John. What is it? What do you want? Why don't you say it? Suddenly, Elizabeth's door bursts open, and Bertha moves into the room and stands beside the bed. Elizabeth? Elizabeth? Huh? Ah! Elizabeth! It's Bertha. Bertha. Oh, yes, Bertha. Why did you scream? Scream? Did I scream? Yes. Just as I came in the room. You must have frightened me. Were you dreaming? No, I... I don't think so. But I don't know. I... I thought John was here. John? You thought John was here? Yes. Standing there beside the bed. Elizabeth. I saw him, too, just a moment ago. What? In my room. Oh, but that's nonsense. Why should he always appear to you? I'm his sister. Yes. Yes, of course. John was trying to tell me something. 
something about you. What? He was trying to tell me that you should listen to him. Listen to him? Something about the property. What about the property? He says he made a mistake. Mistake? He says he wasn't killed accidentally. He did it deliberately. He committed suicide. Suicide? Why should he have done that? He hasn't explained that. But he says now he knows the truth about everything. He knows that his reason for hating me and cutting me off in his will was unfounded. And he's sorry. He's been trying to reach you, but you aren't receptive. You claim you've seen John every night since the day he died. I have, Elizabeth. I swear I have. I've seen him many times in my dreams. But why doesn't he tell me what he wants? Some night, Elizabeth, John will reach you in your waking moments. Then you'll believe me. Well, I can't understand it. He didn't like you and he told me so. Why should he change now? Perhaps it would be best if Celia and I left you. Why should you want to leave all of a sudden? You have your own sister and her son, Herbert. You won't be alone. I only knew what John was trying to say to me. I've told you what he's been saying to me. Mother, is anything wrong? We heard someone scream. At least I thought I did. No, nothing's wrong. Go back to bed. Elizabeth! Elizabeth! What is this? What's what, Mary? Oh, dear me. I, I heard someone scream. What was it? Are oh, you all right, Elizabeth? Yes, Mary. I had a nightmare, that's all. Oh. Well, I, I was worried. Better go back to bed, all of you. I'll be all right. Yes. Yes, come along, everybody. I'll see you in the morning. Good night. But, Mother, why do you keep frightening Aunt Elizabeth by telling her about Uncle John? I'm not frightening her. She should know the truth. But she is frightened. Why, she's getting worse and worse. Are you sure you have seen Uncle really? Do you dare suggest that I'm lying? Is that what you mean, Celia? No, no, Mother. I didn't mean that honest. It's better. And don't you ever say such a thing again. But why doesn't he appear to Aunt Elizabeth? She only dreams about him. That's something that can't be answered. There are those who are gifted with the powers to see those who have departed. See them and talk with them. I'm one of those so gifted. Do you understand? Yes, yes, Mother. John is trying to get a message to Elizabeth about me... And because he finds it difficult to reach her, he's chosen me as the medium. What is the message? He left me nothing in his will because he hated me and thought I hated him. But you did. I did not. It was his imagination. But now he's learned the truth. Now he knows I had nothing but his best interests at heart. He's trying to tell Elizabeth to leave all the estate to me. And he will continue to return to this house until his mission is accomplished. Then his soul can rest in peace. I'm frightened, Mother. I don't want to stay here another day. I can't stand it you here. You stay here until I'm ready to leave. Do you hear me? Yes, yes, Mother. I, I hear. Now stop this nonsense and go to bed. Yes, Mother. I, I'm sorry. You'd better be. In another part of the great house, Herbert is talking with his mother, Mary, Elizabeth's own sister. Now, now, Mother, get hold of yourself. Oh, I'm terribly frightened, Herbert. Why should you be frightened? Nothing can harm you. What have you to be afraid of? Oh, there's something awful in this house. I can feel it. I don't want to stay here any longer. We must leave before it's too late. I'll admit that strange things are going on, but I'm not ready to leave here. Not just yet. We don't belong here. Elizabeth is your own sister. I don't think John wants us here. You really believe that John's spirit is walking around this place every night? Well, what else? Then why doesn't he say what he's trying to say and get it over? Well, I can't stay here much longer. I'll, I'll lose my mind. I can imagine John's not wanting Bertha here, since he stipulated in his will that Aunt Elizabeth 
must never give Bertha a dollar of the estate. But what's he got against you? Nothing. Oh. He didn't say that Elizabeth couldn't leave you a part of it. Well, all I want to do is to get out of this house. Well, I don't feel that way about it. Why should you walk out and leave everything to Bertha? Well, that's why John's staying around here. He doesn't want anyone here. Well, ghost or no ghost, I'm not walking out at the time like this. Then, then I will. I'm leaving here tomorrow. Oh, no. No, you're not leaving. We're both staying until... <sighs> until Aunt Elizabeth makes her will. You're staying here whether you like it or not. You hear? Yes, Herbert. But nothing good will come of it. I'm convinced of that. <laughs> no? Well, we'll see about that. Good night, Mother. An hour later, Mary has finally dropped off to sleep. Then, as the clock strikes three, a figure in white slips into Mary's room and stands beside the bed. Slowly, Mary opens her eyes and stifles a scream. Who is it? What do you want? I want to talk to you, Mary. I have a message for you. A message? Yes. John is here, standing beside me. I, I don't see anyone. He is here. What? What is the message? John says that Elizabeth is planning to leave the estate to you. But he's learned the truth. He knows that his dislike for me was unfounded. He wants the estate left to me, because it's rightfully mine. And he'll never be able to rest in peace until that is accomplished. Oh, I... I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. Then estate. if you want to escape this torment, you must convince your sister that John made a mistake. If you accept any part of it, John will never let you rest. Do you understand? Yes, yes. Yes, I understand. Very well. We'll leave you now. Good night. <laughs> Oh, what? Wake up. Oh, Mary, what's wrong? You're shaking like a leaf. He, he was in my room. Who? John, he was in my room. Mary, what are you saying? He had a message. He said you were planning to leave your estate to me, according to his will. But he made a mistake about Bertha. He wants you to leave it to her. So he can rest in peace. Mary, are you out of your mind? No, no, you must believe me. I don't want any part of your estate. Oh, Please promise me. Leave it to birth and have done with it. I, I refuse to accept it. Get control of yourself, Mary. I'm leaving here in the morning. I'm frightened. And if you had any sense, you'd leave too. If you stay here, you'll go mad. Very well, Mary. If that's what you call gratitude, you can go. Oh, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, but I, I won't remain another night. Are you sure you saw John? No, but he was there in my room. Did you talk with him? No. No, that is I. Then how do you know he was there? Well, Bertha told me he was there. Bertha? Was she there, too? Oh, yes. She she told me what he wanted. He said he couldn't reach you. Why should John appear to everyone but me? Oh, I don't know. But I, I know he was there. I could sense it. I tell you, there was someone in the room with Bertha. It must have been John. Oh, let Bertha have the estate or something terrible will happen to all of us. Oh, please, Elizabeth. Go to bed, Mary. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Yes, Elizabeth. Next day, Herbert goes into town and pays a visit to Henry Wentworth, Elizabeth's attorney. Wentworth was also John's attorney for many years and was familiar with the family for two decades. Mr. Wentworth, you drew John Kemper's will. 
Yes, I did. Have you any idea why he cut his sister Bertha off without a dollar? No, but in the last five years, John turned against Bertha. Turned against her violently. Why? I don't really know. She was his only sister and he had no brothers. It was very strange. What happened to Bertha's husband? Well, he died about five years ago. Committed suicide. He worked with John at one time. Then John set him up in a business of his own. Thought he went to the wall and the crash at 29 and lost every penny. Just couldn't take it, so he killed himself. He left nothing? Nothing but an insurance policy to his wife, Bertha. Didn't amount to much. Five thousand, I think. Were John and Bertha's husband on good terms? Well, apparently the best of friends. How did Bertha's husband die? Took poison. Overdose of sleeping tablets. Oh, I see. But from the day Bertha's husband died, John, her brother, seemed to turn against Bertha. And shortly changed his will, cutting Bertha off. I was the only one who knew about it until the will was read. Have you any idea why he changed the will? No. None whatever. It was none of my business. Uh, yes. Well, thank you, Mr. Wentworth. I, I appreciate your telling me this. Good day. Then Herbert pays another visit. A visit to Dr. Martin, formerly John Kemper's physician. Dr. Martin is at first reluctant to talk, but finally answers a few questions. Uh, Dr... Uh, you were John Kemper's physician for many years? Yes, that's right. Uh-huh. Was there anything wrong with him? You mean, was he unbalanced? Uh, no, no. Did he have any severe ailments? Well, no. Well, in the last year or so, he seemed to change considerably, though. Became a bit morose. Anything wrong with his heart? Well, yes and no. Yes and no? Well, he, he began to suffer from severe headaches. Took to using a lot of aspirin. Was too much of anything's bad. Uh, he was killed in a car wreck. Yes, he'd been to the city and was driving back home late at night. Drove off into the ditch. Did you attend him? I saw the body shortly after the wreck. He'd been dead about an hour, badly smashed up. Was it his heart? Oh, could have been, but I, I think he went to sleep at the wheel. Was there an autopsy? No, it was obvious how he died. His skull had been crushed in. Mm -hmm. Who had he visited in the city on business? Oh, I, I don't know. I never thought about it. Where is John Kemper buried? In the family vault at the edge of his own estate. Didn't you know that? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, I'd forgotten. Uh, well, good day, Doctor. And thanks for the information. Then later that night, the household prepares to settle down to sleep. One by one, the lights go out in the various rooms. Now only that in Elizabeth's room remains. Will there be anything else, ma'am? No. No, Higgins. That'll be all. Has everyone gone to bed? Oh, yes, ma'am. They've all retired. Is the milk warm enough? Yes. Good night, Higgins. Good night, ma'am. I hope you rest well tonight. Thank you, Higgins. The moon bathes the estate in its eerie glow. The big clock strikes off the hour. Then, in the distance, there is the howl of a dog. A mournful howl of impending doom. John's dog crying in its loneliness. Across the lawn from the family vault walks a haggard figure in the moonlight. A figure with long white hair walking toward the house. And a few moments later, the weird figure appears in Mary's room, stands in the shadows and points at Mary. What, what do you want? Who are you? I am John. John? Oh, good heaven. I've come back to talk to you. You must hear me. But 
I hear you. I made a great mistake in life. I hated my sister, but I know all things now. Bertha's a good woman. I'm doomed to walk this place without rest until I've made amends. Do you understand? Yes. Yes, I, I understand. If Elizabeth refuses to listen to my pleas and leaves this estate to you, you will never rest a moment under this roof. For I can never leave. It rightfully belongs to Bertha. And to her it must go. Oh, I, I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. I won't stay here. I promise, just, just let me alone. I will. If you and your son leave here at once. We will. We will. I... I oh, where are you? John? Are you here? John? <gasps> Mary gasps and suddenly falls back on her pillow. Poor Mary has fainted dead away. From the darkened stairway, the great clock chimes out the hour. Three o'clock. Elizabeth, eyes closed but still awake, senses a presence and slowly opens her eyes. Standing close beside her is the white-haired figure, its face hidden in the shadows. No, no, Elizabeth, don't turn on the light. Who? Who is it? You wouldn't want to see me. I've been out there too long. John! John! At last I've reached through to you. Oh, I must be dreaming again. No, I... not this time. Why? Why are you whispering, John? I'm not whispering, Elizabeth. Can't you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can hear you. I... What is that odor? Odor? Yes, a strange odor. Like... like the smell of flowers. A musty odor of roses. Why? I've just come from the vault, Elizabeth. John! John, what is it? What do you want? You're going to make your will tomorrow. Yes, yes. Only you can right the wrong I've done. Wrong? My father left this estate to me with the understanding that I should leave it to Bertha. Yes, I know. I suspected her of wrongdoing and cut her off and instructed you to do so. Yes. But now I know that I was wrong. You must leave the estate to her. You must right my wrongs so that I can go on to my rest. Yes, yes, John. If you fail to do this... I shall be doomed to walk this place throughout eternity. And all those who come here shall not know a moment's peace. Yes, I understand, John. If you fail me, you too shall suffer my torment with me forever. Yes, I... I'll do it. I'll do as you say, only... <laughs> I... John... Your heart, Elizabeth? Yes, I... You haven't much time, Elizabeth. You'll be joining me soon. I know. John, where are you? I promise, John. I promise. Elizabeth clutches at her heart, gasping for breath. A few moments pass, and she revives sufficiently to reach for the stimulant on the nightstand. She pours a dose. And as she swallows it, she glances out the window over the moonlit grounds. Across the lawn moves the white-haired figure, gliding toward the family vault at the edge of the estate. John! John! <laughs> Elizabeth drops the glass and falls to the floor. A few seconds later, Bertha hurries into the room. Elizabeth! Elizabeth! Mary! Herbert! 
Harry! Good heavens. Is she all right? Elizabeth! Elizabeth! Oh. She's dead. Who's three? Must have been Elizabeth. Had another attack. Why? She's still breathing. Put her on the bed. There's her medicine. I'll get another glass. You stay here, Mary. I'll get the glass from the bath. What do you suppose happened to her? Maybe. Maybe it was the... Was what? I don't... I don't know. What's wrong with you, Mother? You're white as a sheet. Am I? What are you trying to say? Well, I saw it, too. Saw what? What did you see? Well, I saw him. John. He was in my room a while ago. I, I talked to him. You talked to him? Yes, and he talked to me. I I heard him and I saw him. What did he say? Stop whimpering and tell us. He said, he said... Mother, mother, stop it, stop it. Oh, I won't stay. I won't stay. I won't. Come back here. Grab her, see you. Elizabeth coming, too. Um, Aunt Elizabeth. Aunt Elizabeth. Oh, but I... You're, you're all right now. Just take it easy. Yes. Yes, I'm all right. What's wrong with you? Mary. She says she saw John and talked to him. What? I think she's imagining things. No, no. She isn't imagining things. I I know. I, I saw him, too. He was here. He talked to oh, me. Oh, now, look, Aunt Elizabeth. The whole thing is... No, it? no, no. He was here. It was no dream. I saw him walk through the garden toward the vault. When? It can't be very long ago. There was a strange, sickly odor in the room all the while he was here. It smelled like musty roses. Oh, be quiet, Mother. Now maybe you believe what I've been telling you. What did he say? It was about his will and my will. And he talked about Bertha. About me? Yes. He said he was wrong about you. He wants to make things right through me. He knew I intended to make my will tomorrow. And he told me just what to do. Yes, that's what he said to me, too. You? Yes. Why, this is the strangest thing I've ever encountered. Why should he talk to you? Well, he did, I tell you. And Elizabeth must do what he wants. Otherwise, something will happen. What will happen? Oh, I, I don't know. I want you to call Mr. Wentworth, the lawyer, and have him here first thing in the morning. I want to draw my will, as John tells me. Yeah, very well. I, I think I'll have a look around the grounds. Never go back to sleep now, anyway. So, uh, good night, Aunt Elizabeth. Herbert wanders about the grounds for a while and finally goes to Higgins, the butler, and after some persuasion obtains the keys to the family vault. The next morning, the lawyer, Wentworth, visits Elizabeth in her room. Well, how are you this morning, Elizabeth? Much better, Mr. Wentworth. Here you had a bad night. Yes, I guess I had another attack. Oh, so? Uh, Mr. Wentworth, I want to draw up my will. I should have done it long ago, but, well, something held me back. I see. Well, I'll take down the data and have it typed, then bring it back for you to sign. I'll be in court all day, probably through the evening, so I'll have to come around 11 tonight. Very well, as soon as possible. Good. Now, let's have the particulars. Yes. To my sister, Mary Wilton, I leave the five-room cottage in Danbury. Mm -hmm. To my nephew, Herbert Wilton, I leave $1,000 in cash. Yes. And to my husband's sister, Bertha Mallory... I leave all other property, personal and real, amounting to some $400,000. What? Please. Amounting to some $400,000, according to my late husband's wishes. What do you mean? John stipulated that you leave not a penny to Bertha. John has changed his mind. When did he change his mind? Since his death. Don't you think we'd better postpone this until you feel better? I want my will drawn just as I have told you. 
But what do you mean by saying John has changed his mind? How could he? He told me so. Last night. You know what you're saying. Yes. I saw John. I talked to him. He was wrong in his attitude toward Bertha. Oh, this is... This is ridiculous. I want it done as I say. Very well. I'll draw it up this way. But I certainly think that... You think I'm insane? Well, since you bring it up, yes, I do. So did I, at first. But I'm not. I'll be expecting you around 11 tonight, Mr. Wentworth. Yes. Yes, of course. I, I'll be here. Now it is shortly after 11 the same night. The lawyer has returned to the will. And Elizabeth has called her three relatives to her room. Very well, Mr. Wentworth. This is drawn the way I want it. You mean as John wants it? I mean just that. <laughs> I'm leaving the property that was mine before I married John, a small cottage, to you, Mary, and a thousand dollars to Herbert. All else, I am leaving according to John's direction to you, Bertha. That's the way John wants it. And that's the way it shall be. You must do as you think best. I'm doing as John wishes. Hand me the pen, Wentworth. There you are, and I hope you all understand. I don't. Thank you, Elizabeth. Well, now that you've got it, Bertha, what good is it going to do? What do you mean? How much chance do you think you'll have to use it? What happiness do you think it'll bring you? More than it would you. Isn't it rightfully mine? Is it? That's the way John wanted oh, it. Oh, no, it isn't. It's the way you want it. I had nothing to do with John it. John made a will. He's never wanted to change. Elizabeth knows better than that. Aunt Elizabeth knows nothing of the kind. This is my house now, and the sooner you leave, the better. You'll be living sooner than I will, you and your spooks. You don't believe in ghosts, and you never saw one. I saw John. Night after night, everyone saw him. Everyone but me, because I'm not a dunk. Your own mother Mary saw him and talked to him. Hush, John is dead in his coffin out there in the vault. I saw him. But I did see him. So did I. You wouldn't know if you did see him. We would. We've seen him. Then turn around. Turn around, all of you. And look. John. Good Lord. Is that John? Is it? Yes, yes. Take off your wig. Higgins. Yes, the butler. There's your spook. Well, I, I'm sorry, ma'am. I, I... You can go, Higgins. I'll explain everything. Yes. Bertha hired Higgins to impersonate John. That's a lie. Higgins would never have done it if he'd known about the murders. I trapped him into it. He confessed everything. Murders? What do you mean? I got wise to the whole thing. I investigated the whole story about Bertha's husband and John's accidental death. They were both murdered. You're lying. I had the bodies exhumed and examined. They both died of an overdose of sleeping tablets. The very same purchased by Bertha at a certain drugstore. He's crazy. He's crazy. I tell she you, don't listen. She put the tablets in her husband's aspirin bottle. She was the one John visited. That night he had the wreck. She must have drugged him. That's why he went to sleep at the wheel. I didn't. I didn't. She killed her husband for his insurance. And John cut her off in his will because he suspected that she killed her husband. It's a lie. A lie. I John you. never wanted his will changed. I have proof of the whole thing. And the police are waiting outside now. You haven't a chance, Bertha. You're guilty. The police. Oh, what no, good no. will all this do you? Where is your fortune now? They'll hang you. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I did it. I don't know why, but I did it. I gave him the tablet. Did Higgins know that? No. No, he didn't know. I... Oh. <sighs> Bertha, she's fainted. Mother. Oh. No, she hasn't fainted. What's wrong with her? She's dead. Oh, Mother. Hand me that will, Mr. Wentworth. I want to draw up a new one in the morning. 
Well, there you are. That's the story. John never wanted his will changed, and for good reason. He really knew the truth. But wait a minute. How did you figure this one out, Herbert? You didn't really have those bodies exhumed, did you? I didn't have them exhumed. And if I had, there would have been no traces of sleeping tablets left. And there were no police waiting outside. I was bluffing. Working on pure hypothesis. But it did work. Yes, it worked, Herbert. And it afforded me a very nice story indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Herbert. You're welcome. <laughs> CBS has presented The Whistler. Original music for this production was composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The Whistler is written and directed by J. Donald Wilson and originates from Columbia Square in Hollywood. Next week, same time... I, the Whistler, will return to tell you another weird tale. Good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's the Fred Allen Show, followed by Inner Sanctum. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.